Good morning, I'm Lindsay, and I've been at Mansfield for a total of about 18 months. Uh, this morning we're reading Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. We'll give us just a minute here to... Just so you all know, we're not necessarily changing our, our dress. I don't normally gonna make it a habit of wearing t-shirt on Sunday morning, but this morning we're excited about what we have going on after church. I got it, thanks. After church, um, over here in the back. So if you are not aware of, we have a lot going on in regards to our, uh, we have, we're gonna have food trucks there, we're gonna have, um, inflatables that are water, one's a slide, one's an obstacle course. We've got a petting zoo for the kids. We have some tents and fans and a portico. And um, if you really want it cool, we'll have portable B open in there. We have some where you can play ping pong and some other, some other things. So gonna be a great time. Uh, we're wearing these shirts, life is better together because we're identifying some of our small groups. So if you see someone wearing a shirt like this, they're probably in a small group. So ask them about it. Take that time and find out about, about the group. Uh, I think it's ironic that today this fell on. I know it's gonna look like I planned it this way, and yes, I did, just so you know. But no, actually, this is the way this message has failed today. Today, we're gonna be talking about the body. We're gonna talk about unity in regards to the body and, and our mission statement and how that fits. So I'm real excited about that. I also wanted to let y'all know, last week, we came to you and told you we had some storm damage a couple weeks ago, um, about $4,000 worth. And so we brought it to y'all last week and this, this last week we raised 4,200. So just really wanna thank, yeah, praise God for that. Our God, is, our God is good to us. And this morning, just so you know as well as we get started, we're gonna look at two different passages if you wanna stick a finger or get however you, on your phone or your tablet or whatever. We're gonna be looking in John chapter 17 and the passages we just read, Ephesians, Ephesians 4 this morning. So before we get going, let's, um, let's go ahead and uh, go to the Lord in, in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning and we come with hearts that are humble. We come with, Father, spirits that are ready to hear you. Even as a song that just was just saying that we're just, just quiet our hearts. We wanna hear from you. We're ready to hear from you, Lord. It's been kind of a strange couple of days as, as we've tried to get ready for this morning and the event afterwards. There's been a lot of things that just haven't gone right, you know, Lord, but, um, but yet just kind of work through those things. I've seen Father, some who've been working hard and I know they feel the stress of it and we have folks that have, aren't able to be here or all of those things that just kind of come together. And, and Lord, we just, just realize that we rest in you. 
It's not, Father, anything that we do or we accomplish. Father, as we even talked about in the past, it's not about us, it's about you. And today, as we spend time together as a, as a group of people, Father, as we, as we get the opportunity to, to kind of to talk and to fellowship and just to get to know each other, to, to rekindle maybe some old friendships or whatever that is, that, Father, you would, your spirit would move among us and you would just pull us together. Now, Lord, we would take joy in the fact that we're your people, every one of us, every single one of us, Father, that know Christ and we receive Christ. Father, we, we are your people. And today I pray that as we worship and as we just sang and now hear your word and that, Lord, we would just take joy in you. And that, Father, we would, we would feel of your peace and your comfort. And, Father, that our worship and our praise and our fellowship together that it to be, be unto you just a sweet, sweet favor of worship to you, Father, that you would be pleased. Lord, as I always pray, go past all of my inabilities, my shortcoming, my own sins, God, and speak to us, your people, that we might grow in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm still conducting that that series we started a little, a little while back, a couple weeks ago, called Passion for the Mission. And really what we've done is we've kind of taken the, the mission statement of Mansfield Bible Church, and that mission statement kind of goes like this. We're just a group of people learning to, to follow Jesus as we abide in Christ, as we belong to the family of Christ, and as we impact the world around us. Very simple. And the first week that we that we approached this, the first week that we looked at it, we really focused in on really what matters. When we talk about passion for the mission, what matters most? What is it that really matters when we're talking about our walk? See, a lot of times we think about so many different things that, that matter, but what really mattered and what we looked at is the fact that we grow, we exist for God's glory. That it's not about us. When we walk through the church, when we Worship, it's not about us, it's about, it's about him. That's why we exist, that's why we live, that's why we walk, that's why we breathe. Wherever you're at, in your work, in your family, in your friends, in your activities, your, your purpose is to glorify God in all that you say and do. And that goes so counterculture to what we, where we live now. That is so obsessed with self. And the reality is that we exist for God and we glorify him. We also saw in that first week that we're to, we're to follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we're, there's this taking up of, of the cross. There's this understanding that we move from self-control where we determine our lives, where we determine all of those things to a place where we're in God control, where God controls our life, that we're filled with his spirit, that we are controlled by his spirit. It changes the way that we live. It changes the way that we look at the world. It changes everything because that's our purpose is to follow after him. That's why we're a group of people learning, and that word literally in the scriptures can literally mean disciple. We're just a group of disciples following Jesus. We're learning how to walk after Christ. And then the last thing we talked about that first week was that we're to love Jesus like crazy. So many people, they, they wanna do right by God, they wanna do all these different, different things, but really the bottom line is, is love causes us to endure. I mentioned last week about my 
marriage with my wife. And at times it's, it's, it's been very difficult. We've had these many years together and at times there's been the ups and there's been the downs, but the thing that drives us through there is our, is our love. And it's the same way with God. If you have a crazy love for God, if you're, if you're passionate about him, it's gonna impact the way that you live. And so last week we looked at, at in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, where Paul talks about building on a foundation as a skilled master and building on a foundation and that each of us are to take in light of how we're building on that foundation, that there's a, there's a time coming, there's a beam of seat, there's, there's, a, there's a time when we'll stand before Christ for the things that we've done, for the way that we've lived, and how do we build on that foundation. So last week we looked at that first word, abide, that we're to abide in Jesus, because if we're not abiding in Jesus, what can we do? You remember? Jesus said that you're to abide in him, why? Because without him, you can do nothing. And there's a very real aspect of understanding that in our Christian walks, that without Jesus, without building on him, without him being the center and the means by which we live, that we can absolutely do nothing. And as a result of abiding, we realize that we have to abide as we have a passionate desire or a passion for God's word. God wrote a book. I love that. God wrote a book, didn't he? tells us about himself and about the things that he desires and tells us so much about who he is. God wrote a book. We also need to be passionate about prayer. And how important is prayer? I mean, this last week, has there ever been a more important time than for us to be a people of prayer? When we think about what's going on in Afghanistan, right? We need to be praying. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters there. So we need to be, have a passion for prayer. And so the third, the second word, and the word we're going to deal with today is the word, word belong. What do we mean by belong? And in fact, I think our shirts are saying that life is better together. When we're talking about belonging, we're talking about the body of Christ, that God designed his people, the body, to be together, to be in oneness. In fact, we used to word, use the word connect, and we quit using the word connect. And there's a reason for that, because I started realizing, as I use connect, it's always like, well, I connected with them, but I didn't really connect with them. I connected here, but I didn't get, and it became very what I did and how I approached the body of Christ. But the reality is the scriptures don't, doesn't lead us down that path. The scriptures tells us this, that if you've received Christ into your life and you know Christ and you're trusting in him and him alone, you know, you know what? You belong to the family of God. Amen. That's a, that's a powerful one. You belong to the family of God because God put his spirit in us and the common denominator that we all possess is God's spirit in us. It's not our likes and our dislikes. It's not, it's not kind of where we're at on the economical, economic scale. It's not the, the intelligence level. It's not the abilities or disabilities. It's not all of those kinds of things that makes us connect, where brings us together, where makes us one. What makes us one as a body of people in God's family is the Holy Spirit that dwells in every one of us. And if God's Spirit is dwelling in you, you belong to the family of God. And it's just an automatic. 
It's not something you earn. You don't get your little family card down at the local office over here or something, and so you can come into the church. You're part of the family of God. And so today, we really want to talk about that. Because so many times, when we think about connecting, we think about connecting on so many different levels. And in fact, every one of us connect differently. I know I'm one of those people, like, I, like, I have a lot of friends. Just I like a lot. I mean, just like, but I don't always have those really deep friendships. I don't, I don't go deep. And I remember several years ago, I was talking to a counselor about that because I thought, man, something's wrong with me. The counselor was like, yeah, there's something wrong with you. It's just not that, right? There's some other things that are wrong with you. But the reality is, is that we all connect differently. Some of us really want those deep, and we make deep friendships. And the reality is, is that when we come into the body of Christ, we're already connected by the Spirit of God. I went through a time a few years ago, I've kind of debated whether I share this or not, so bear with me. I remember coming into the, a few years ago, coming into the, this church while I was here. And as I walked in, there was several months where I just, I, just didn't, I just didn't think I belonged here. I remember there was people challenging my integrity, my character. I mean, just like almost it seemed like every Sunday I walked in here, somebody was just, you know. I remember I was wanting to leave. I didn't want to be here anymore. I was very frustrated. We go through those times. I remember praying about, praying to God, and God was like, no, I want you to stay here. And I did. I would grip my teeth sometimes. And here's the thing. I had some of, some of you here this morning, you walked through that time with me. And you would tell me, Greg, that's not totally true. It's your perception, but it's not really true. And they were right. There is a lot of that truth to it. But I felt that the feelings were real. And I remember enduring through that time and learning and growing in that and how God brought me together. And I look out over this, this group here this morning. I was able to do it in the first hour because it was small, but just some of you. I mean, like I come in here this morning and I'm so thankful when I look at, look at Jeremy and Katie, man. Just, I got to watch Jeremy in seventh grade and see him grow up and now he has a family and he's seeking God. I start going over here. I, I mean, I could just, I'm sorry. It's just the body is so important and sometimes we, we, we destroy what God can do in our oneness because we're so centered on our own ways and our own desires. It's not about us. It's about him. And I can look through this, I mean, as I'm going up and down these aisles with some of you that I prayed for and I'm praying for you. I mean, I get to, I mean, I'm looking back there and I got to be involved in someone that I got to help marry them and see them come together. I would have missed that. I would have missed how God is working in your lives. And what God is doing, and so many times we, we focus in on ourselves and the way that we connect or the way we, things work out or what we like or we don't like, and we get mad and we walk away and we get burdened and we, and we give up. But it is in those relationships that God binds us together. Gosh, I just looked here right here and praying for, for your kids. I, I don't Lord, let me go on, please, because I'm just seeing all the prayers that I've seen in your lives. And God's able, God is able to bring us together in oneness if we understand his work. And so today we're gonna look at that because we need to be passionate about oneness. 
We need to be passionate about unity because that's a design that God has had for us. So in John chapter 17, John 7, chapter 17, in the context, it's the high priestly prayer of Jesus. This is Jesus praying. In the first part of the prayer, we're gonna be looking at verse 20. In the first part of the prayer, Christ is, is praying that God would lift him up, that he would glorify him, and then he begins to pray for the 12. And he begins to pray for them, and then in verse 20, he says this, I do not ask for these only, referring to the 12, but also to the, for those who will believe in me through their word. I love this. Think about it, because I believe that Jesus, he was God, all-powerful, everlasting, and he could see, and, in here, and he hasn't gone to the cross yet, and here he is, he's praying right before he goes to the cross, and you know what? He prays for us. He prays for us. And he doesn't pray. He, well, his prayer isn't that we, that we conquer kingdoms. His prayer isn't that we do these great miracles. His prayer isn't that we confront every sin that we see. His prayer isn't all of those things. You know what his prayer is? Is that we'd be one. That we would understand that. Look what he says in verse 21 that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You think oneness is important to God? Absolutely. We need to be passionate about oneness because when we're, when we're was one, it declares to the world that God sent us or sent his son. It reflects his person. It reflects his work. It reflects what he has done. It's, it's important. That's what Jesus is saying here. I and the Father and the Father in me and us, them, and us. I, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture of, of oneness and how it reflects of who God is. If, if there was ever a time that we should understand the importance of oneness in the body of Christ, it's this when Jesus is praying. He's looking down the time and he's seeing us and he's praying that we would be one. I said it a couple of weeks ago, the church today doesn't have a real good reputation, does it? Why? Because people see us what? They see us arguing. They see us divided. They see us condemning. They see us as unloving because they don't see us as one. And then immediately it reflects on how they see God, doesn't it? It's important that it matters about how we operate in oneness. It matters. And it's important because it reflects who our God is and it reflects that he has sent his son and it declares that he loves us. Look at verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are. He doesn't talk about, hey, what we're gonna accomplish, we're gonna tear down kingdoms. All those, those things happen because of God's message, but that's not what he calls us to do. He calls us to be one. When he talks about his glory and that he's given to us, he's talking about our oneness. Oneness matters. Verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. I always want to skip over that. I just want to say that they may become one. Because in my mind, perfectly, is it possible? I mean, is it possible that a group like this in this room can get together and we don't get aggravated with each other? 
Is that what it's talking about? Is it possible that in this room that we come together with, with a single mind of a, a purpose, the faith of the gospel? That, that God is, our, is the one that we exist to give glory to? That it's not our agenda, but it's his agenda? Is it possible to be perfectly one? If the spirit of God dwells in us, yes. And that's what binds us together is the spirit that dwells within us. Jesus goes on and he says, perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. When we as a body of believers aren't operating in oneness, then we are not telling the world of God's love. Is that true? We're not declaring that he sent his son. They're looking at us and they see division, they see anger, they see they see hatred, they see those kinds of things, and none of those things reflect the God in heaven. We must be careful. We must be careful how we go about it. Does that mean we don't ever say the tough things? No, it doesn't mean that. If you're around me very long, sooner or later, I'll probably say something that needs to be said and doesn't feel good because I want to see you grow. I'll challenge you from the pulpit. Why? Because I want to see you grow in Christ. I'm not interested in a faith that we just come through the doors, sit in the same chair every week, and we go, oh, that felt good, and we go home, we eat our roast beef, and we kind of go through the week, and we have a good time, we come back next week, oh, we're going to meet with God, sit down there, I went home, I felt good, God forbid, God forbid that we would have that mindset. I want to challenge you. It doesn't mean we don't say the tough things or things that challenge one another, but what it means is our purpose of saying things is that we would grow in Jesus, that we would grow in him, that we would grow in Christ, and we would have a passion for oneness because our God is one, that the thing that binds us together is not our likes, our chemistry, our economic situation, or all those things that we agree on or don't agree on. It's not that which binds us together. It is the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us because we receive Christ by faith. And that's it. Nothing that you have done or I have done other than to receive the gift of God. And we have to understand that. Flip over, if you will, to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, not only a passion we should have a passion for oneness because it reflects who our God is, and a passion for oneness because it declares that he sent his son and it shows that he loves us. But we also need a passion for oneness because it leads to a walk worthy of our calling. It leads to a walk worthy of the salvation by which we have been saved. In Ephesians chapter four, verse one, Paul writing to the believers at Ephesians, he just finished in the first three chapters talking about theology and about who they are in Christ and all these. It's a great passage. In fact, we looked at it the very first week that we started this series. We looked at chapter three, verse 21, where it says, to him be the glory, or to him be glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And the very next thing Paul wants to talk about is how we walk our lives. He says, I therefore a prisoner, verse one of chapter four, there, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Literally the idea to walk in a manner worthy is the idea of how to conduct ourselves, how to order our behavior, 
We all have different ways. We all are conducting ourselves in one way or another, right? I mean, I mean, think about it. Some of you in here have, have had a great career and you've, through great discipline, you have, you have gained knowledge in your field of, of work and study. You've developed mentally in, in your ability to, 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 to know the subject, to be professional at it, to be good at it. You may have disciplined yourself physically in a certain way so that you can, you can accomplish more. You've, you've worked hard in those things. Here's the question. Have you worked that way that much in, about your spiritual life as well? What are you doing spiritually? And Paul says it matters in the way that we order our lives, in the way that we conduct our lives spiritually, that it reflects the gospel, it reflects salvation that we have by which God has called us. In fact, that word call there, we're calling, is the idea of a divine summons into salvation, which God willingly gives to all those who would believe. God willingly, he does, he does not sitting over here with a box going, well, maybe I'll give to you, maybe I'll give to you. He willingly gives it to all who would believe. That calling, that summons into salvation, Paul is urging the believers to live lives that are appropriate to their calling, to their salvation. That, that our confession, the what we confess to what we believe is balanced by how we behave. That if we're calling Christ our Lord and we're calling him our God, how do we conduct ourselves in light of that? It's our profession of faith. And he says, he gives us some ideas about how to do that instruction. He says, with all humility, I wish he wouldn't start with that word with all, right? All humility, all means all, that's all can mean. All can mean, I always remember hearing that back in college, right? It's the idea that in the way that we conduct ourselves in all humility, the Greeks despised this attitude. They saw it as weakness. They saw it as detrimental to their, to their way of life. But literally, I think what Paul is saying here is that humility is a really a proper view of oneself in the light of who God is. It's a very honest self-awareness of who we are in light of who God is. A couple weeks ago when we started this series, we talked about the vastness of the universe. Remember that? We talked about how vast it was and we're this little speck on a speck. The earth is like a speck in the universe and we're just a speck on that speck. And yet we walk around like the world revolves around us. We think we're in charge, we're kings. And we're not. Humility understands that. Humility recognizes that. And here's the thing, dear people of God, pride always promotes disunity. Pride always promotes disunity. Humility always promotes unity, but pride always promotes. It's pride when we say, hey, look, I used to say this, three strikes and you're out, I'm done with you. Do I have the right to say that? In all humility. Is there a place? Yes, there's a place to deal with folks, but there's never a place where we grow exhausted with folks within the body of Christ. It's with humility that we, that we treat one another. And when we stand prideful and we're like, hey, I'm not, I've, already, I've already done all that I'm gonna do. I'm, there's no more. I've already exercised grace towards this person. There's no more. No, no, those things create disunity. We need to be 
patient and gentle. In fact, that's what he goes on and said, and gentleness. I love this word gentleness. I remember studying it in, in college. And the, really the basis of the word literally means meek. It's often used of like a, a powerful animal or like a horse where it's under control and just the beauty of this animal and all of its power, but it's, but it's in control. Have you ever been around an animal that isn't in control? I remember as a kid, we had some friends, and you may have heard this before, I love telling this story, um, but just endure with me for a minute, but we had some friends that lived on a hog farm out in eastern Colorado. I used to go spend the summer with them, and they had this, this horse named Queenie. Queenie hated me, absolutely hated me. I would stand next to Queenie, and she would pick up her foot and plant it right on top of mine. Have you ever been stepped on by a horse? It hurts. I mean, I know, I mean, I'm sitting here pounding on this thing, and they'd get her off of me, and they would want me to get on her to ride. Well, we didn't have saddles, and we didn't have bridles and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We just hung on to the mane and tried to direct the horse, right? And so Queenie was really wonderful with, they had like eight kids, so Queenie was wonderful with all their kids. And they'd be like, Greg, Greg, get on rider, rider. We'll, we'll stand on each side of her. So we were going down this dirt road. And there was one on each side kind of of her head. And and I got on, I'm hanging on to the mane and I'm thinking, okay, all right, I've got this, you know. And she's just kind of walking along. And it's like she kind of looked back and realized it was me on the horse. Man, she took off. I'm hanging on and this horse is just, just running full blast. And this horse doesn't stay in the road. The horse decides to go off into the ditch, right? You know what's in the ditch? Cactus. And there's a barbed wire fence, and I'm just doing this. And I'm just hanging on to the mane. My legs are sliding. And I look over, and I'm like, in a minute, I'm going to either hit the barbed wire fence where I need to let go and hit the cactus, one or the other, right? Neither one's a good choice, but I decided the cactus was a better choice. I remember letting go. I, have, I never got on that horse again. I would stay away from that horse. You know, that was a horse that was power out of control, right? But when we deal with one another... We deal with gentleness. Sometimes we have the power to say things that we don't need to say. Yeah, this is me. This speaks to me a lot of times. Sometimes that I had to learn that it isn't always right to say the things even though I say them, there's a way to say things and there's a way to love on people. There's a way to be gentle. It's like Job after he lost all of his property and all of his family. And what did he say? He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because we have to learn to trust God and his dealings and to deal with them as good. Otherwise, we become like a river. A river, very powerful, very beautiful. But when it goes up over the banks, what does it do? It destroys And when we start seeking our way and we start demanding our way and pride gets in the way and our own ways and our own agendas and our own ways of saying things get in the way, we start destroying whether we mean to or not. It's with all gentleness. And then he says, with patience. Man, I was like, Paul, why don't you quit writing here for a minute, you know? Patience. It's one who is under control, one who is under great trial doesn't lose courage, not easily provoked, or blazed up in anger, does not strike back. I grew up in a neighborhood where I had to learn to strike back. It wasn't the right thing, it was just how I survived. 
And I have spent many years learning that I don't have to strike back. I don't have to. It's with patience. I often wonder how many times if I would patiently have taught my kids and some things instead of declared to my kids, how would that have been different? It's a real challenge. Or in the church, how many times I thought if I would just patiently continue to teach and guide and trust God to move in the hearts of his people and just continually patiently being strong, patiently challenging, patiently encouraging, patiently instructing, patiently, instead of getting angry and, and giving up. There's been times where I've just like, I mean, especially in this last year and a half, to be honest with you, there's been more than once where I've sat down in my chair and gone, Lord, this isn't worth it, man. This isn't worth it. I mean, everybody's upset about something. It doesn't matter which line I go down. People are mad. It's just not worth it. I mean, I'll go back to the restaurant business. I don't know if that, maybe that, I don't have to deal with people there. I just, if I didn't like them, I just fired them. You know, I just move on, you know. <laughs> Here I got to live with your people. This is like crazy. It's crazy, God. But we need to be patient with one another. We need to trust God to work in each other's lives as much as we're trusting God to work in our lives. That was a big thing I had to learn. Just because God has taught me something doesn't mean he's taught everybody. And there's things he's taught you that I still need to learn that I can learn from you. I don't care if you're old or young. God is able to lead us and guide us and teach us many things. In fact, he goes on, he says, bearing with one another in love, that idea of bearing means to hold up, to bear with, to endure. How often are we just like, oh, dump. we're out the door. We cut off so quick. We're really good at that. I mean, I know today they're saying we're more connected than we ever have been with the internet and social media, and we're more lonely than we've ever been. What? What? We haven't learned how to endure. I mean, we just block them, cut them out of our Facebook, whatever. Whatever it is that we're on, we, we just learn to deal with things that way. Oh. And yet, we're not allowed to do that in the body of Christ. Did you know that? We're to endure with one another, bear with one another, hold up. And it says in love, we're to do this a fruit of the Spirit in one who is yielded or controlled by the Holy Spirit. Well, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit when he's in control and we're filled with the Spirit is that we would demonstrate love. When we, when we operate in love, we are patient with one another. When misunderstandings arise, we show humility, humility towards one another. When unkind actions are done, we show gentleness. When cunning words are said, we, are pa we patiently forbear with one another in love. You see, the love of Calvary is a forgiving love. Our love must be also. It must be. In fact, in verse three, he says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. This is one of the more powerful statements in all of scriptures to me. The word eager means diligent, make every effort. It's a determined effort. It's not something that just happens. You have to determine it. Well, this didn't click there. How many, don't raise your hand, but how many people that are believers in your life, 
you're disconnected from because there's hurt. How many? Isn't it unreal that we can even name some? It's eager to maintain, to determined effort. And the word maintain here means to keep, to guard something which is in one's possession. It's a picture whereby we already possess it. Think about what I just said. We already possess it. Oneness is something that's already ours. And he's telling us to be eager to make a determined effort to maintain, to keep something you already possess. What do you possess? The spirit of God in every one of us that binds us together. It's the spirit of God that gives us that. And it's our determined effort that we continue to keep that and maintain that. In fact, he goes on, he says, unity of the spirit, something we already possess is the idea. He says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The bond of peace is that unity of the spirit that has been created, has created within us a bond of peace that surrounds and binds God's people together. What Paul's saying here is that we, because the spirit of God dwells in us, because we receive Christ by faith, that there is a bind, a bond of peace that binds us together because the spirit of God indwells us. I can wait for a while on that. Is there any amens on that one? Think about that. Think about what I just said, dear people of God. There is, by God's intent and purposes, he has bind us together in the bond of peace because the spirit of God dwells in us. And Paul says, make every effort, a determined effort, to keep that. How many people are you... You're at odds with within the body of Christ? Go home today, fix it, man. Fix it. I don't care if you're the mature one and they're not, or vice versa, it doesn't matter. We need to be a people that are seeking after God. We need to be a people that are passionate about oneness. We need to be a people who are more about him than about ourselves, that are growing in Christ, not, not stagnant in our bitterness, not stagnant in our division and our anger, that we are a people about love because the Spirit of God guides us and controls us and leads us. We are his people. And we walk after him. It is important to maintain the unity of the spirit, to make every effort to keep the unity in oneness. We must guard our hearts against agendas that divide us. And we're not gonna, we, can't let, we can't let government, we can't let society, we can't let those things divide us. Dear people of God, we are his people and we're united by his spirit not some program or some agenda. We are united by the spirit of God that dwells in us if we receive Christ by faith and nothing else. And I will show you love and I will work in unity with you as much as I can. I will, I will, I will because we are his children, his people. We need to avoid condemning and hurtful words but we need to embrace encouraging, uplifting words we need to embrace words of patience. We need to ask ourselves, am I being humble? Am I being gentle, patient, forbearing in love? Am I diligently working to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? We need a passion for oneness 
because it matters to God. It's his design. It's not our design. Look what he says, verses four through six. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. Did you catch what Paul just said there? You, you, just as you were called to one hope and it belongs to your call. In other words, your calling, your salvation, it, that hope that you have, that confident expectation in Christ that you have is part of your calling. When we don't appropriate these things in our walk and we don't order our behavior in these walks, we're losing sight of our hope. Think about that. Verse, verse five, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Amen, amen, amen. We are his people, dear people of God. Oneness is God's design. It's important. We need a passion for oneness because it reflects our God. We need a passion for oneness because it declares that God sent his son and loves us. We need a passion for oneness because it leads to a walk worthy of his calling. Today, let's be together. Let's enjoy one another. If there's bitterness and there's division, Let's let may the Spirit of God break that today. Let us, let us understand that we belong to the family of God. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that your Spirit just move through us today, that your Spirit would speak to us. Father, we have, uh, we may have some of us, Father, here this morning that we've been at odds with different people over the years and we just kind of, kind of let it go. May your spirit move. Just bring to mind those things that we need to heal. Let us make every effort. Let us understand, dear God, that we are one people, one body, united by the spirit of God, brought into the family of God by the work of Jesus, Father, that we would approach you and call you our God, our Father. And this morning, Father, may you just bind us together in your spirit that we would walk out here, we, don't, we come through these doors, Father, we would just understand that we belong to the body of Christ. We belong here. It's good that we're here together as a body of Christ. That it is good, dear God, that we seek after you. Father, speak to us as your people. Some this morning came here this morning, Father, and they don't feel connected. They're longing for a deep connection. They're longing for that. Father, I pray that they understand that they belong to the body and that, Father, you would guide them and grow them in their faith and their walk in you. Just teach us, God. Teach us. Help us to grow. Let us not be stagnant in the way that we go about our walks. To you, O oh God, be the glory and the praise forever and ever. To you, God, the one and only true God. There is no other dependent There is no other to call our God and our Father. To you and you alone, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.